I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters. This is Ben Golver with the Open Floor Podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff. I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Hey, I'm Elena Dalton, and welcome to the Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm Mike Miller. Tonight, I'm once again joined by a man full of Celtic pride. It's Josh Coyne. It's a pleasure to join you once again, Mike. You can't, I mean, that must be a record. I think that's at least, you know, it's been longer than, you know, 10 seconds before, but you've brought up, I'm a Celtics fan, well done. Anyway, thank you. Oh, and it's, deliberate. it's great, it's great to be back on board. Uh, and you can see we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Matt Evans, uh, who is the the founder of NBA Callups, which is a G League Prospects Insights site, the founder and podcast host of LA Lakers UK and a contributor to Talk Basket. Um, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think you just outlined uh, quite quickly that I do way too much with my time and don't really have much of a life. But yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> glad I was able to uh, to find time to be with you guys. Very excited for this one. Uh, quite intrigued. It seems a little bit different to what I've been on before. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different. And if you can't see the Twitch right now, there are lots of animated basketball players running around the bottom of the screen um, playing basketball being controlled by people in a way that I don't know how, um, which is why I'm just gazing off down to the side. Um, <clears throat> so I guess what we normally do when when someone first comes on the show, uh, obviously I've just done a little intro for you, but just a bit of background into how you got into to basketball as a whole, I guess, because it's it was a particularly niche sport over here in the UK. Yeah, so um, probably quite similar to a lot of you, uh, to be honest, I imagine. Um, it started kind of on and off, when I was like at high school, um, like we had like a basketball team, I'd play in PE, uh, kind of drew. That was my first bit of exposure to the sport. And then it kind of just went from there. I was never really that good at playing, but I just enjoyed, you know, playing whenever, whenever I could, I didn't really take it too, too seriously. And then from there I, uh, you know, kind of, I'm kind of all in. So if I draw an interest in something, I read into the history of it, kind of look into like what's going on in the present and things like that. And then that's what drew me to the NBA and, uh, and the Lakers was the first team that I warmed towards. Um, and then as I got into their history, things just kind of escalated really. And then over the past, maybe I would say four years is where it's kind of grown more professionally mm-hmm. um, into kind of platforms that I've built today and and that I'm part of um so yeah that's kind of like a brief roundup started at high school it wasn't I mean when I say that it wasn't just I loved basketball straight on it was a bit on and off I wasn't too sure whether I liked it I kind of dabbled in NFL a little bit um but then I kind of went back to it and and stuck with it probably about 10 10 years or so ago now maybe a little bit more how did you land on the Lakers uh, well, it was around the championship run of 2009-10. Uh, so just naturally when I was playing 2K, I'd just pick the best team, to be honest. I'd, I'll, I'll just admit that. And um, and yeah, I kind of... Uh, I, see, I'm, I'm a Bolton fan in, uh, in football, so I don't have much glory on that side of things. So I kind of <laughs> thought, well, you know, why not give myself a little bit of a treat? Um, and then straight after that, they jumped into the tanking years. So that wasn't a great decision at the time. 
Yeah, no. no. <laughs> so you you suffered through all the purgatory after that momentary high. Um, okay, so we've got lots of basketball stuff to get into. Lots of NBA chats. Uh, there was. We'll start off with some quick news. Uh, Devin Booker and Sadiq Bay have been named the players of the week just before we went on air. Um, Thirty-two point three points, five point three assists, five rebounds, and a four and zero record for Booker and the Suns. Seventeen point eight points, five point five rebounds, sixty-nine point six. From three uh, and a three and one w- week for Sadiq Bay. Um, how many threes did he get last night, Josh? Uh, well, when they played the Boston Celtics, I believe he was seven from seven, which so perfect from three point, which uh, I have tried to delete from my memory, like I was in Men in Black. But I appreciate you bringing it up. And, and just back to me mentioning you were a Celtics fan within ten or th- well within ten seconds, probably within three. You are sat in front of a giant background that maybe gives it away <laughs> i was i was thinking that as soon as i said it i was thinking what a massive hypocrite uh, but also shout out to james beard for the uh, fantastic backdrop yeah that's pretty pretty incredible um the trade deadline is the 25th of march so we're coming up to a month away from that and understandably there are lots of rumors swirling around but there were some big developments today. Andre Drummond is no longer playing for the Cavs. He will travel with the team, but that is it whilst they engage in talks. Um, he's played 25 games this season, 17.5 points per game uh, with 13 and a half rebounds which, and a career low in blocks. Um, 28.7 million for the year plus an 8% trade kicker. Do you think anyone's going to want to pick this up at all? Josh... Um, not necessarily. I think it's going to have to be the perfect fit, but I currently don't see it. Uh, it's obviously an incredibly hefty contract to take on for what is basically, I mean, is it fair to call him something of a specialist, Andre Drummond? He doesn't fit into a large portion of NBA teams currently, I would say. And that's hence why he's not playing for his current team whilst getting paid a ridiculous amount. I think it's fair to call him a specialist. And I think that half of the teams he's been rumoured to move to, it just doesn't work as an on-court match at all. Hmm. Uh, Matt, are you surprised at all that um, Drummond is is in trade chats? Do you think there is someone who's willing to to go in and buy on him? Um, I think I'm, I'm not that surprised, especially, um, you know, they got Jarrett Allen, didn't they, in a... Mm-hmm. In in that trade, and uh, I think uh, as a prospect moving forward, I, I, I think they're pretty happy with with him. And uh, I just don't think they feel that Drummond brings too much to the table. I think given the right fit, I think he still could produce very well. Um, you know, like like you were saying just then, he is a he is a specialist within what he does. You know, you've got a rim protector, you've got a hefty rebounder, um, but it's just that contract, isn't it? Um, it's it's similar to me that with Blake Griffin as well. I mean, I don't know how many suitors are out there that would be willing to take on or even build a deal that would be able to subsidize that contract, to be honest with you. I mean, we saw a similar thing with Wall and Russell Westbrook, where it was kind of bad contract for bad contract. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't think there's really anything out there that could even subsidize that, to be honest with you. (laughs) Maybe we see Drummond for Blake. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I don't see where Drummond's going to go to make anyone better. If you're going to put that kind of money towards a player I mean admittedly it's only for the season so then he's a free agent it's a rental I'd try and wait for a buyout market because in the east he's been absolutely owned by Embiid so there's no way you're bringing him in to be some kind of stopper there Um, and then I just think he wouldn't be able to cope with a lot of forwards out in the west anyway um, 
He was traded last year for John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a 2023 second round pick. <laughs> the second round pick, to make matters worse, is the least favourable of Cleveland's or Golden State Warriors second round picks. So he's, he was traded for nothing, absolutely nothing. And, and I don't know what they're expecting to get for him this time round. It's just, no. it's just madness. Least, um, least favourable, so it could very well be a second round prick. Yeah, very good. Well, a second round prick. Brilliant. Uh, that's going to be clipped, isn't it? Uh, I'll put my teeth back in. Um, Blake Griffin, then, you mentioned him. 20 games this season so far. Career low, 12.3 points per game, 5.2 rebounds. Uh, shout out to Nick Whitfield, who's in the chat at the minute, who uh, shared a tweet in our Discord, um, basically saying that he hasn't dunked since 2019, which seems horrific. I mean, 2019 is not actually that long ago in terms of games, if we think about it that way. But still, this is the guy we we sort of watched just climbing over Pau Gasol's back. Apologies if that brings up bad memories for you, Matt. Um, just some of the most horrific dunks in NBA history in terms of just destroying his opponents. And now here he is uh, not playing for the Pistons until they sort out what his role is going to be, which doesn't sound good. Two years remaining on a contract that's going to pay him $36.6 million this year and a player option that he has to take. He absolutely has to take it at $38.95 million next year because no one else is paying him that. Matt, you, did, you, did, you sort of didn't expect him to go anywhere, uh, that there'd be any suitors for that kind of money. Uh, buyout market then, surely it has to be. I, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, I mean, people say, people just automatically fall with the buyout market but they kind of forget that he has to be bought out from Mm -hmm. contract and I think maybe Detroit I'm not sure how a trade would work but they might try and move him on for not a lot back but obviously you'd have to have a balance in in the money there I'm just really not too sure what what happens there I think it's a lesson learned when you're throwing out them them types of contracts to be honest with you and then especially when someone is right on the turn of 30 and then his numbers regress like the way they do um, I think it's a good old-fashioned Mexican standoff, to be honest. What well, What's crazy about Blake is that he started adapting his game, started stepping back out further and further, and is a, an underrated passer. But he's just he just can't stay on the floor anymore, and it's a real sad um, sort of place for his career to be in. Not not necessarily Detroit. I mean, just figuratively. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, well, what you just said there is he started to adapt his game. And I, you know, going back to what Nick said about the fact that he hasn't dunked since 2019, my thought process, and I think the thought process of many, was that he was consciously trying to move away. He was trying to basically develop an old man game that didn't require the athleticism that would have basically just killed his knees and his back because he didn't have it anymore. Well... Now, over the last couple of months, I'm starting to think that it may not have been a choice for him. Um, On defense, he looks tired constantly. He's getting dusted by much quicker bigs. Um, Yeah, he's a shell of himself, unfortunately, when you watch him, because he really was a spectacle in his prime, and it's uh, it's a shame. Yeah, it really is. um, What a talented player he was. I say he was. He yeah, no, he was. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like he's gone. Still um, talented, just a bit just broken. Not as talented. Um, okay, uh, at this point, a bit of housekeeping. If you're not already, please make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Double Clutch UK. You can find our Discord uh, server community on discord.me slash double clutch. And if you're not watching this live, come and watch us live. Come for the basketball, stay for the weird 
little animate characters running around doing all kinds. Of, I think I saw Mass Fart a minute ago. I don't even know what that is. I don't want to. Uh, that is twitch.tv slash UK. Thanks for that, Kirk. And shout out to Kirk as well for producing this chaos uh, once again, uh, making the magic happen behind the scenes. Um, Live long and prosper. <laughs> Cheers, Kirk. So let's get on to some big guns out West, uh, the Western Conference contenders. Um, I just want, you know, it's quite obvious who they are at this minute in time, um, but I always want to get some reactions as to who, where we sort of feel things are at the minute. Obviously, the Lakers are second in the West, and we've we've got Mr. LA Lakers UK with us. Uh, the twenty-one-seven. They took a bit of a beating last night, but only got fourteen minutes from Anthony Davis, who had previously sat two games with Achilles soreness and has now aggravated knee tendinosis. It's having an MRI, so I guess at this point, are you concerned that the the, the the ship can stay afloat. You know, they've, they've been impressive defensively. Um, are you concerned the absence of AD is going to make things a lot harder for LeBron to, to keep them right up chasing for that number one spot? Um, yeah, I think when you lose a player of Anthony Davis's stature, I think it's just natural for that to occur. And uh, I think um, the aim was to try and take the workload off LeBron this season as he was, as he's getting a little bit older and, uh, defending a championship and uh, you know the, the west is as intense as as ever now it's just getting stronger every single year and uh, it, it seems like we have to take a step back from that now and uh, you know lebron's going to be thrown into the fire again to to carry the team on on his back which he has been doing even with anthony davis in the team at, at large spells this this season and um, it, it's tricky really because when carl kuzma's come into the starting lineup when AD hasn't been there um, resting in, in the past, he has performed very, very well. Um, I think last season he was at around 20 points per game. So it depends what production you get out of the replacement coming up, whether it is Kuzma, but then saying that that will leave a gap then on the, on the, on the, on the bench. Um, so it, it, it's a tricky one. I think it is concerning. I don't think it's surprising because the season ran so late for the Lakers and mm-hmm. he and even even the likes of the Nuggets. Um, so I just think that it's not surprising it happens. He's been, I think he should have sat out for longer, uh, in, my, in my opinion. I think the, reg, the regular season is a regular season. It's the playoffs that matter. And uh, I think he tried to play through an injury, which he is accustomed to have done throughout his entire career to date. And uh, it's it's unfortunately caught with him, and I haven't read anything unless you guys know any more than me. But I don't know how serious it is, whether he is going to be back soon or whether it's a longer layoff. I'm I'm not too sure, really. Yeah, I don't think they've confirmed as of yet. Just that he's having the MRI, and he ha- doesn't have a timetable yet for return. Um, I mean, the the West is a dogfight at the minute. To, the, the, LeBron on his own is capable of, of many, 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 many things. Um, I'm quietly confident that they're not going to slip far based on what they've got there already. Um, Josh, what, what are your thoughts on this situation in LA? Well, firstly, it's been a great week to discover what tendinosis is. Um, I was, I thought people were just saying it the wrong way or it was an alternative uh, word. Uh, supposedly, well, get, get, get uh, this, uh, Kawhi has tendinopathy. Well, now you're just blowing my mind. Supposedly, tendinosis being a kind of degenerative uh, thing is worse long term. 
That's what I've heard so far. And that is, that's not good. It's slightly worrying. But in terms of the Lakers and where they're at currently, I think it's really hard to be worried for LeBron James at 21 and seven. Uh, we've learned over the last three or four years that it take LeBron, you know, take LeBron, G, uh, LeBron jeans. Maybe. Uh, LeBron James teams uh, with a pinch of salt until the postseason along, you know, he's he's playing at this unbelievable level. He's an MVP contender, which makes it terrifying for others because, you know, once they do get to that level in the postseason and if, if they do have an Anthony Davis that is able to be uh, healthy by then, then, yeah, um, we'll then be looking back to this moment where we're thinking, are they going to slip? Is this LeBron James team going to slip? And maybe, you know, maybe they'll be in trouble. But no, it always ends the same way. And I know that I'm saying that with a slightly bitter tone to my voice, uh, but it is what it is. I'd never, ever, 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 ever write off LeBron James. Open question. Um, is is there any concern, you think, within that camp that, you know, about sliding anyway? I mean, we're playing behind closed doors at the minute. There are some arenas with very limited fans uh, being allowed in. Home court advantage is not going to have the same impact in the playoffs. We've already seen that in the way teams are winning on the road more than at home. We've seen how dominant the Lakers have been on the road. Do you think they have any concerns whatsoever about being... Uh, a lower seed if it comes down to you know let's let's just rest LeBron for a few games AD's not around we'll take the L's yeah um, I, I, I I don't think so I mean as as you previously alluded to then the regular season and the playoffs are a completely different beast I mean you saw the Lakers you know storm to that that number one seed uh, last season but I, I don't think it matters. You know, like you said, there's no fans in the arenas. There's not really home court advantage. Um, I, I I don't think so. I mean, to be honest with you, they've been a bit shaky as of late. Um, I think you, you make it sound like everything's been all rosy in the last, like, 10 games or so, but there's been a lot of overtime games. That it, it True. It surprised me that injuries are catching up. A few games that probably were very lucky to walk out on the other on, on the other end with a with a w and um i i don't think it really matters I, I don't think it really matters i think if you're staying on the right side of them seedings um you know in and around the top three i think it's it's okay like you said you get into the playoffs lebron james switches on and that's the business end of it but ideally you want that number one seed but if there was any slip up and you were going to drop down from that. Um, I think with the roster that is in place, uh, I, I don't think it would be too much of a worry. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, let, let's switch to the team that is ahead of them in the the West. And there was a word ban that we've apparently just absolutely destroyed and and not adhered to uh, in the Twitch chat. So that's something that you can randomly do is ban a word and then we don't listen to what it is. And Kirk needs to come up with a better way of telling us what it is. Um, Apologies. Uh, Let's quickly go on to the Utah Jazz. I can't believe we managed to put the Lakers in above the Jazz. The singular Jazz fan in the UK will be extremely upset by that slight. Um, They are 22 and five. They've won seven straight. They've won 18 of the last 19 games. They've got four guys shooting 40% or better from three. And then Donovan Mitchell is just behind that at 39.7. Fourth in offense, second in defense, first with an impressive 9.5 net rating. The last time their offense was this good was 07-08 when they had Carlos Boozer, AK-47, Andre Kirilenko, Paul Millsap, Mehmeta Kerr and Darren Williams. So that's going way back. And that team was nowhere near as offensively talented as this. They finally clicked offensively. It's something we criticized them for for a 
well, since Mitchell arrived in the league at least. Um, is this team a real contender? I'm going to go, go to Josh first. Well, guided by the prophet Joseph Smith, they've had a tremendous season so far. Um, in Utah you have to commend Quinn Snyder he's really found a way to kind of galvanize this group beyond expectation uh, during the off season I actually had my doubts about them and I was starting to think that on this very podcast I was discussing the idea of the Gobert contract uh, driving Donovan Mitchell away but what on earth do I know um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's they, they're playing um, unbelievably well the numbers that you mentioned they kind of highlight how um how dynamite their offense has been. They're out rebounding the lead. They're taking the heads of teams like you're in a row consecutively. They're going through the Eastern Conference like they're not even bothered. The Pacers, Celtics, Bucks, and Heat in the last week. And then obviously they could top that off with the Sixers. Uh, is it tonight? I believe it is. Um, you know, and then. If they do, I mean, already we think we probably have to start taking them seriously. The only worry I have is that they remind me of some regular season teams that we've had in the past. So, you know, in the last 10 years or so, we've had plenty of teams who have really managed to sculpt their schemes to perfection, you know, play this amazing, majestic basketball and go on unbelievable runs just from being a real solid team unit. If you think of like the Hawks, in what 2015 the bucks of recent years now and then mm-hmm. and then the raptors before Kawhi, you know they, to a certain degree as well those are teams where in the regular season you know four four atlanta hawks went to the all-star game you know and what did that win them that's the kind of vibe i'm getting from this team that it might be a fun regular season exercise uh, and when it when the shit hits the fan Either we're going to have to see an unbelievable leap from Donovan Mitchell uh, or it might flame out. What more do you want from him? Did you not see him in playoff last year? What what, what do you want from that guy? Um, Matt, is Josh right? Is this potentially just a regular season team and come playoffs when the game slows down and they're going to struggle? I, I mean, I'm not buying it yet myself, but... I, I'll be honest with you. I think I, I, I am on his side there. I do agree with him, which is I don't, normally don't agree with Celtic fans that often. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think it is difficult. But as we've said, you know, when we were speaking about the Lakers, the regular season and the playoffs are two completely different things. Um, I think the Jazz are a well-rounded outfit. Um, I think there's a very, very nice setup there. Um, I'm, be, I'm a big fan of having a star, star guard and a big rather than being loaded in the front court or loaded in the back court. Um, Clarkson's producing well off the bench as he always has done. Um, he's had a fantastic career in the end from, uh, from his Laker days and Conley, uh, Bogdanovich, you know, they, they all play their roles really well. Uh, my main concern is, is exactly what Josh said really is peaking too early. What happens if injuries occur? They, they, they don't seem crazy deep um if if there were some maybe not a star falling out uh, of the rotation but maybe if some of them role players fall fall out due to injuries or fatigue um i think the end, end of the bench could look quite sparse um there's actually quite a lot of g league players uh, that have played in in previous years uh, at salt lake city on on their roster um but it's it's difficult it's just a good story though it's great to see them uh, you know playing the way they're playing I tell you what, I, I take it back, by the way, Matt. 
Uh, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong. I wholly hope that I'm wrong. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not as convinced in, in the sense that I, 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 I get what you're saying and I'm expecting the offence to regress slightly. I mean, the amount of guys they've got just absolutely lighting up from deep, you'd expect some sort of regression to the mean at some point. Um, they've obviously got Clarkson coming off the bench, who's out putting up career high numbers. Um, Conley's been in and out of the lineup with old man point guard uh, hamstring injuries, which, you know, is, is to be expected at his point in his career. And they've still managed to not skip a beat. That impresses me. Uh, I don't know if you, either of you guys caught the the podcast uh, the owner Ryan Smith did with Woj, I think just before Christmas. Uh, it was really good. And it sort of spoke about how like united they were and i wonder if that's part of it like how we saw you know in this in this really weird season now we saw uh the bubble last year we saw jimmy butler and the heat sort of really come together and gel and take their unity through the bubble and here we've got um essentially a a franchise that completely focuses on getting everyone in every day in their um uh, in, in their training facility which is state of the art and has got all the kinds of crazy stuff in it. Um, and whether that's sort of bringing them together and giving them the extra little bit of, of, you know, chemistry and whatever. And they've obviously got Conley who's soothing the relationships between Gobert and Mitchell. Um, I, I think there's something there like behind the scenes that, that adds to it that I don't think we're, we're sort of, well, I'm just babbling now, but I don't think we're fully aware of it and, and appreciative of it. It's like you're trying to avoid using, an overused word in basketball, which is hashtag culture. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think it's partially that. Uh, I'm certainly not ready to give uh, complete uh, credit to a billion, um, whatever, zillionaire owner. Um, but the culture definitely seems solid. Uh, and I think the, the the roster formation is fantastic. If you think about their second unit, uh, beyond their stars, they've got a lot of guys who can just make shots and a lot of guys with experience, a lot of guys maybe who weren't high profile in the first place and they've proven the point to get to this point. You look at your Joe Ingalls, for cetera. Um, and there's another thing that is just like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are really, really, really good at basketball. And I think that stars matter more than anything, really, don't they? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a good point as well. Speaking of stars, there are a few more stars in, in Hollywood. Uh, the Clippers have got a couple themselves, 20 and 8 at the minute, third in the West. Uh, I can't see if Matt's starting to see as we talk about the Clippers. It's, I don't know if this is going to be difficult or there he is. No, he's, um, but they've got a potent starting five. Recently, they had the, the best, that five starting five unit was the best defensive lineup across the NBA. Um, five guys averaging double digits. A lot of guys have been in and out again. Uh, is this team better than their record? And, and how big of a threat are they to to come out of the West? I think they're definitely a threat. Um, I think this is a difference where quickly going back to the Jazz, obviously you've got Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but when you've got the likes of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, I think, in my opinion, I think that is the tier above what, what you're talking about in terms of superstar talent and that is what is going to carry you through I think they've got a strong deep team uh, obviously everyone speaks about Ibaka and, and Batum who the latter has actually been a lot better than I was expecting but I think Canard uh, is a good option he's shooting very well from from three at the moment um, I think he was a, a solid addition for, for them I didn't think about it at first um, but I think the Nuggets series is always at the back of 
the mind and they get them bizarre showings like against the Mavs uh, that kind of do put a dampener on things but it, it just depends whether they can actually come into the playoffs and perform when it when it matters we haven't seen it yet but they certainly have the potential to do so do you, do you, do you think, think that they, that they will, will get, get a Battle of LA, LA series, series this, this time around? That's, that's what, what everyone, everyone was crying out for. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, last season it was difficult because the Lakers had the simplest route to the finals that, that than they were going to have, um, to, to be honest. And it was kind of when the Clippers lost, it was easy to be like, oh, great, you know, this is the championships in our pockets really at this point. Um, but you, we do want to see that just as, just as general basketball fans putting fandom to one side, uh, we, we want to see that, that just how immense would it be, you know, seven mm-hmm. games and two teams battling out, especially if it goes to seven games um, and it goes to that, that, that final be all and end all, that would be incredible. I think it would be one of the toughest series that, LeBron has, as an individual has to enter into because there's obviously two two candidates for Defensive Player of the Year as wings um, in recent years just there to, to essentially stop him and then a backer obviously with AD who's you know not quite the defensive presence he was but still very good um, and he's He's not one of these lumbering bigs that can't come out to AD when he's out uh, you know going high. Um, Josh these clips, do you think they're going to implode again or are we actually going to see some decent clippers this year? Well, I kind of want to change my angle because uh, I feel like for the majority of the podcast so far, we've basically been saying, who cares? Just wait till the podcast, uh, the playoffs, not the podcast. Um, the, but we've been burned by this Clippers team before, haven't we, in terms of our expectation? But they look very, very potent. They're defensively basically what they thought they'd signed up for and what for some reason capitulated last year. Uh, a very solid defensive unit. And like you say, star star power matters. Talent-wise, they should be able to push the Lakers and Utah in the regular season. Um, and then with the health concerns of the Lakers, I think they're a nightmare matchup for LA if everything is harmonious uh, on the Clipper side of the city. Yeah, Um it's, it's like you say we should have more faith in them based on what they do but there's that clips gonna clip sort of what they've done previously that, it's, it's, it's I'll, I'll believe it when I see it factor isn't it you know that's what we're so are we all unanimous that it's still LA coming out the west it's still the Lakers yeah Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, unless something goes drastically wrong, I, I think so. But actually, adding on to the Clippers, there has been less talk around them this this mm-hmm. season, which I think does benefit them. Uh, last season, it was just expectations where people were throwing predictions at them when there was, in my opinion, no real basis behind them. They were just saying, "Oh, they're a lot to win the championship," and there was nothing that really it was kind of just a narrative that people were follow, were following, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. And I think that that narrative it looks like it has dropped and they're kind of falling behind in, in, in terms of the daily talk, which I think is great for them. I think if they can operate kind of under the radar, I think that benefits them, them hugely. I think it was a similar thing to Philadelphia last year, wasn't it? On paper, there was absolutely no reason people should be able to score points on the Clippers. You know, they were defensively set up with the personnel they had to be a championship-level team, and they're only slowly starting to realise this now. But going back to what we said before, I think a lot of it does lie on the Davis factor. You know, if it is worse than it originally seemed, LeBron has a mountain to climb against Clippers. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so we'll just quickly hit one last team, like very quickly, because I can see a Suns fan in the chat shout Ross um, are we ready to include Phoenix yet as a challenger in the West they are you know they've won six straight nine in the last ten yes it's regular season but they're they're fourth in the West they're, they're playing fantastically together Booker's playing within the team but you know t- almost feels like he's taking a reduced role this year but the minute he needs to he can step up and absolutely kill it are you ready to say they're a challenger out West <laughs> I personally, I love watching this basketball team, um, but no is the answer. Um, I don't think that they have what it takes to contend at the top of the West. It's too tough out there. Um, and I think that it might be a case of the kind of prototypical Chris Paul outfit where it's really entertaining to watch. Uh, they get to you know, the top where they're contending, maybe you start to think they're entering the conversation and then, you know, they, it doesn't work out. I really love watching the team, but no, I am not ready to enter championship conversation in Phoenix. Same from you, Matt. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think it's just expectation, expectations blowing, you know, well, expectation overload, really. I think, you know, they're playing fantastically at the moment, but I just think one step at a time, really. I mean, I know the pressure's on with Chris Paul, his age, um, but, you know, they've got a very exciting young team there. I think apart from Chris Paul, they're in no real rush, but I, I think just getting to the playoffs in some shape, um, you know, compete in a playoff series in some shape, and I think that would be a success, to, to be honest. I think just just one step at a time, it's really easy to kind of blow expectations out of the water but I, I piggyback on on what josh said there's certainly a fantastic uh, team to watch there's been an incredible turnaround there um it, it, just the fire bubble performances that they have <laughs> just rolled over to to this season and uh, i think they've got a bright bright future uh, a very bright future yeah i'd agree with that um let's move on to the mvp race we're 40 percent of the way through the regular season uh i very quick sort of let's just hit this uh matt who is your pick for mvp thus far this year uh just lebron james um i think uh what mb is is doing is is incredible but i think you know lebron james his age uh, the level he's still performing at um i think just the narrative again will will win him mvp this this season i think um uh, obviously, I think Giannis was worthy of it last season, but there was a little bit of uh, you know debate around that when when that came out, and I think it, I can't see Giannis winning it again this year. So I think you know with with that not happening, I think it'll just naturally fall onto to LeBron James. I think it, I, I, it's a lock in my opinion. Okay, so so that's that's who you think is going to win. Is that who you want to win it as well? So it's it's you know you don't just think he's going to win it, and you'd rather someone else won it. You, you it's both your opinion and what you want to happen that makes sense from a basketball standpoint like if if Embiid won it that'd be fantastic wouldn't it you know just a complete like I won't call him an outsider but you know kind of uh, everyone loves a little bit of a like a an underdog story you know and um but yeah, I, I think uh, with the way he's performing at the moment, and uh, I think that narrative could build even more depending on the severity of this Anthony Davis injury, where we could see mm-hmm. him, you know, carry the team to new levels um but yeah i, th- I think uh I, th- I think it's a pretty safe bet 
Mike, Mike, he runs a website about the Lakers. Of course he wants it to happen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Is this where you're going to say Jason Tatum? (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, I'm going to say Shemi Ojale. No, um, for me, it's a case of, once again, everything that I'm saying tends to um, count on Anthony Davis's fitness. But I think that we start to go into semantics if Anthony Davis is out for an extended period of time where people start to actually read into the definition of most valuable player. And then that debate starts once again as to kind of whether you read into that or you just, you know, reward the best player or the person who's loading the stat column, uh, sorry, the um, statistical columns. I think for me is Joel Embiid still. Uh, he's elevated his game and his team is kind of winning more games than uh, anyone that isn't the Utah professional basketball team. He's scoring more than ever without really compromising much elsewhere on the stat line. And he's doing it at a more efficient rate and making better basketball decisions. And he's showing quite um, a significant jump in his application. He's in it. Last year, started to waver a little bit. You started to think that Embiid had fallen out of love with basketball, out of love with the organisation to a certain degree. But he's in it. And I, I think somewhat you have to really respect Doc Rivers for that, who's clearly one of the mm-hmm. better leaders in NBA coaching. Some people would argue not the best coach, but he's certainly one of the best leaders, man-to-man leaders in the league. I think you've got to credit him for that. I think Joel Embiid, unless we start to, if we lose Anthony Davis, then we're going to have to say we can't deny that value to the team is LeBron James. Yeah, I I think ultimately LeBron will win it. Just the, the narrative has been built from his comments uh, when he didn't win it last year. Uh, I do think that there, this this stint without AD could define, you know, what his case in full. Um, I don't want him to win it because I think there are other people providing more value to their teams. I when you've got a top, t- he's out now, but when you've got a another guy who's almost a top five player on your team, I think that should negate your value at some point. Even though you probably are the most valuable player, you're not able to give the most value because you don't need to. Um, Embiid, I don't trust his health. I s- <laughs> He's got all the talent. I just don't think he's got the longevity to to put together. Uh, you know, what's he going to need? He's going to need close to 62, 65 games. I, I, I worry with the compressed schedule, he'll end up having to reduce load. Um, Steph Curry has, has gone nuclear, but he hasn't got the supporting cast around him to get the necessary wins. So I'm going with Jokic because although they're, what, are they seventh at the minute? They were, they were 14th, what, three weeks ago? They are climbing up, even though they had three-game losing streak recently. Uh, he's putting up career highs of 26.5 points per game, 11.5 rebounds, 8.7 assists. He's just dominating and is uh, just standing out for all the uh, the dad bod guys out there. So um, he's my pick for MVP. Um, let's move on to the G League, where the more um, observant of you will notice that, that Matt keeps glancing down to his right Uh because you're watching the Ignite game as well at the set. You, you've got like, you've trained eyes to go and look at different things, screens at once. Uh, you've got the Ignite game on at the minute. Um, so obviously NBA call-ups is your site uh, and it's specifically about G-leaguers. Um, 18 teams tipped off the G-league bubble on February the 10th, I believe. Uh, and what what made you go down the G-league route to start with? What, what, what drew you to that particular angle? 
So, I mean, it started with Lakers UK. Um, I had a few ties with the South Bay Lakers, got quite close with the organization, managed to go over there and get some some uh, coverage um, at a game, met the right people. And uh, I, the intrigue grew from there. I went to go and see South Bay versus the Memphis Hustle for a game, you know, managed to full experience, um, you know, be at the side of the court and, and interview uh, players and things like that. And that's where the intrigue grew. But when I wanted to know more about it, there wasn't really a place to go to, to know more about it. Um, there's a few websites out there. Some aren't active anymore. Some are kind of on and off. Um, but there wasn't really anything that kind of broke down the basics of what the G League is, really, and who the top performers are and who, who there is to you know keep an eye on. And uh, kind of what I needed at that moment in time was it to be dumbed down. And there wasn't that there. Um, so I thought, you know, that's not there. You know, I'm obviously this psycho for creating numerous platforms that take up a crazy amount of time. Uh, time. Um, you know, why not, you know, provide that really so that's what i tried my best to do i mean hopefully uh i mean anyone that goes on the website i'd like to think that it kind of will give you a bit of an in-depth breakdown but then there's also tabs that will ba- break down the basics that will literally tell you what the g league is if you want to read into the finances of it it'll provide that um you, i th- would like to think it's kind of a hub where you can find everything you need uh, because that's what i needed at that at that time do you know what's crazy is the official G League site still hasn't been updated from uh, 1920 season, uh, essentially. it's I, I went on there um, just to check. I wanted to see how many, looking at G League experience, I wanted to know how many uh, players in the G League this year had NBA experience, you know, because I know that a couple of years ago it was 40%, but they didn't even have that up to date and stuff like that. It's just people need the information. So it's a great, it's a great site to have out there. Um, your takeaways from the G League so far have been uh, what? Who's who's performing? Who who's not performing? What are you expecting to see from the league as a whole? Um, I think the headline has to be ignite. Um, I think going into this season, uh, I've been on a few media availabilities with with Brian Shaw and, and the team, and I think at first he was saying that it's about developing these guys. It isn't about wins. <laughs> the season started and they're winning a lot of games. So I think all of a sudden it's turned into, I think it is about wins and they've got a lot of vets on the team now just signed Jarrett Jack as well, which wasn't really supposed to happen at the the beginning. It looked like any more additions had kind of fallen flat. So I'd say Ignite are definitely the team to watch from, from an outside perspective. Delaware Bluecoats are playing very well at the moment. They're the affiliate of the Philadelphia 76ers. Been an absolute excellent farm system for the Sixers over the years, as have the Austin Spurs for for the San, for San Antonio. Um, they're, they're all 3-0 at the moment alongside Ignite. Teams that are struggling... Is it that surprising the Iowa Wolves are struggling when they're affiliated with the Minnesota Timberwolves? They just got fined 10k for uh, breaking bubble protocol, didn't they? As well, um, and they've they've waived one of their two-way players as a result of it. Yeah, so Ashton Hagens has just been waived from there. Um, Isaiah Briscoe has just been picked up, I think. So, to be honest with you, I think that's an upgrade from from their perspective. Um, so yeah, I think it just all seems to be falling flat. I think Santa Cruz are very talented. The Long Island Nets are very talented, but they just haven't had great starts at the moment. Um, and uh, but there's, we're only three games in. You know, we're, we're, it's the fourth game now. Ignite have seven minutes left, and 
it looks like it could go either way. They're playing the Iowa Wolves. So even though it's a 15 game season and it's quite a short season, there's still a long way to go at this stage. And they're playing, they're playing like every other night almost like Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday games. It's, it's, it's like a heavy, heavy schedule. Um, in terms of the Ignite then, they're obviously the, the team that everyone's talking about. They're the showcase team that the NBA has put together to essentially develop a alternative route to going uh, either abroad to play in the NBL in Australia or you know where, where we've seen guys come from in recent years or to the traditional NCAA college system. Um, do, do you think there's anything else they need to do or have they already done it in terms of... Um, in terms of showing that this is a viable alternative route to those other alternatives, is is this the, now something that you're going to see taking off with other, you know, standard high school players as they matriculate into the pros? Uh, I think so. I think we're probably probably a few months from answering that question definitively. I think um, it highly looks like Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga will go in the top five of the draft this season. If that happens, that is kind of the stamp of this is where the best players can come through and make it to where they want to be in the professional ranks. Um, Jonathan Kaminga looks like he could swap places with Jalen Green at the moment in that top three. So, um, I mean, but they were a lot. But then you see the likes of Deshaun Nix, who is starting to garner a little bit of attention now. In my opinion, I think he is a lottery pick. So if all of a sudden you're talking about what three of the six prospects becoming top picks in that first round, I think if you are, it's not for everyone. You're not going to see every top player being, oh, I want to go to the G League. Some want to go to college and there isn't a problem with that. You know, they want Mm -hmm. to develop at their state, at their um their pace they want to play against people their own age but for the likes of Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga they are players that probably could just jump straight to the professional ranks to the NBA straight out of high school and that's where you've got that one and done kind of argument so I think if if you're kind of looking at them type of athletes I think definitely the G League is is a route to go really I think it's going to be very interesting to see where the likes of Kai Soto and Isaiah Todd get drafted because I think that's kind of the the going to be the stamp of approval I think because I think Jalen Green and Kamingo are locks before all of this even began to be honest and do you think that one of the main benefits of that setup is that you know we've seen the likes of Doncic um, and I guess now Lamelo, they've been able to immediately enter the league and contribute because they got used to uh, playing against grown professionals do you think that was part of the thinking in being able to push this forward yeah, I think so. You know, you're in, I'll be honest with you, they're in an NBA environment. They're in an NBA yeah. setting. They're playing against professional players. You know, people may put the G League down, but when they played the alumni team, which was a very strong alumni team, they got blown out quite handily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think them experience of getting blown out, people may laugh at that. It's a great experience for a young player. You know, you want that at this stage of your career. You want to learn that. Um, under a coach like Brian Shaw, that's an NBA championship caliber player and coach. You know, you can't, I mean, yeah, you can get that at the college level, but it's just giving you an element that you don't get at the college level. Yeah. And not to mention as well, I think one thing which is really important is they're being taught how to manage money off the court. They're being taught how to live off the court. Uh, they're being taught how to sleep properly, how to rest properly. You know, they're being taught just as much off the court as they are on the court, which I think is huge for 
we don't want to see these young players jump to the NBA and then just burn out straight away, you know, especially financially. That's not, it's not nice to see. It's not fair to see. So uh, I think it's a great setup off the court just as much as on the court. But I think uh, they plowed a lot of money into it. And I, I think this GD bubble is centered around Ignite. I don't think if Ignite didn't exist, I don't think we'd have a GD bubble. That's that's a, that's a pretty big investment from the league. Then, if they're if they're sort of doing it to, to try this new this new route, um, we had a question come through in the chat uh, from can only can, can only be one. Uh, it sounds tongue in cheek, but I'm pretty sure it's genuine. Would a G League team beat the Timberwolves? Would a G League team or would their G League team? A G League team, pick a G League team. A, oh God, I, uh, no, I think there's still a gap. There's still a big gap between the NBA and the G League. Um, you know, people, you've seen like the the uh, role players on NBA teams. They go and play pickup, don't they? And then we see mm-hmm. them doing like windmill dunks on 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 Twitter and things like that. There's still a huge. Uh, I want no, maybe not huge, but there's still a, a talent. Uh, a talent um, gap there. I mean, w- would a team maybe give them a good run? Potentially, but I'm not, I'm not sure about beating them. Okay, uh, let's switch it up a little. Um, uh, we just had February's Hallmark Day. This was something Josh snuck in earlier. I could see him typing it on the shared uh, document. Uh, Valentine's Day. What do you believe... Uh, <laughs> do you want to do this bit, actually, Josh? It's, it's your question. You wanted to throw it? Yeah, so I'll I'll, question, I'll I'll raise the question and then I'll, I'll basically end up answering my own question. I can't wait. Um, yeah, it's just been uh, Valentine's Day. So what do we believe is the greatest show of on-court affection in NBA history? Mike, do you have anything? Yeah. Uh, 1988 finals, every single game, Magic and Isaiah Thomas exchanging kisses on the cheeks. And then, you know, there was, there was the, there's the brotherhood and the love there. And then they kind of hated each other for a bit. And then it's come full circle, that 2017 interview where they sort of hugged it out and cried and, you know, apologized to each other. That for me is just an incredible circle of events. And it Matt, started on court, so it counts. Matt, does anything come to mind? Uh, I think ugh, that's a, it's a, it's a very good question. Um, I think, in my opinion, it's only because it's fresh in my mind, and I hate to bring this up, to be honest, but uh, but I think uh, uh, Kobe and Pau Gasol after Game Seven of the 2010 NBA Finals versus the right. Celtics, yeah. uh, I think that like Pau with that huge performance, um, you know, to to win it all, and just seeing them resting their heads upon each other just a pure moment of jubilation, fatigue, just all rolled into one. And uh, and like I said, I think it's kind of a, a thing that is fresh in in my mind because we're seeing that with Pau now with Kobe's family. Yeah. So I think that's why I kind of like lean towards that. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a, a great moment. A bit of Laker, Lakers bias coming through, but uh, uh, yeah, I think I'll go with that one. Mike, are you ready for the most impressive segue ever? Go for it. Yeah, that truly was a beautiful moment, Matt. Speaking of beautiful moments, my pick was the Delonte (laughs) West wet willy to Gordon Hayward. Because whilst disgusting, you know, and it wasn't taken well by Hayward at all, for me it was a sign of affection because, sure, it probably, you know, has happened in worse circumstances before. But I remember at school, wet willies were kind of exclusive to friends who were play fighting. You know, you're not putting your... <laughs> okay, was that, next, laugh? Uh... Was that was, Did you act that laugh? 
Was no. that scripted? Because you were like, <laughs> uh, uh, me, no, me. Uh, no. I, I caught myself about to say something ridiculous, which was, uh, <laughs> you, you're not putting your wet willy in anybody else's ear unless there's a connection between you. Uh, so, and then my other pick was, um, it was against the Raptors uh, for the Celtics in 2018. Marcus Morris was ejected for saying something untowards uh, to a referee, which is very much unlike him. Um, but his immediate impact was to slap the butt of the ref on the way out and then he just ran off which was brilliant because it was like one of the most high profile acts of um, sarcastic butt slapping Um, but also you know it was the most affectionate acceptance of an ejection I've ever seen so that's my other pick Um, and I think I recovered from the most awkward segue ever because that was genuinely a beautiful answer from Matt uh, we, we had a we had a few comments in uh, the chat. Uh, Hick ninety six, Dane waving his lover goodbye in the Trailblazers OKC series. Um, Nick Whitfield, a great one actually. Lance blowing in LeBron's ear. That's a similar to the that's 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 a more some more delicate version of the wet willy. Uh, I'd I'd say you'd save that for someone who is slightly more affectionate towards. Uh, there has been some red panda slander, which I think is uh, an automatic ban from the chat. So I'm not having any of that. Just uh, I know I didn't dress up as her yesterday. Um, <laughs> uh, moving on from that really serious uh, topic to nothing but Nick's silly nonsense, our weekly crazy question from our resident Nick Whitfield. Nothing but Nick's silly nonsense. <laughs> Tattoos have gone full circle in the NBA from being frowned upon by the powers that be uh, for what they were said to convey to now being embraced to the point where they feel like part of the furniture. My question is, if you were to pick some new ink for a specific player, who are you choosing? What is the design and what is the reason you're picking it? Uh, Josh, do you want to jump on this one first? Right, so I'm in no way trivialising the horrific crimes of anybody uh, that I'm about to mention, but the content (laughs) is objectively hilarious. I think that Terry Rogier should have all of his hilarious tweets tattooed to him, including one from 2011 when he was 16 years old, uh, which, you know, Osama should have hooped instead of trying to kill people because he tall as hell. So that, that should be somewhere on his skin. And then in addition, I'll accept some of his other work, such as... Seth Curry, mum, sexy as hell, damn she cute, lol. And <laughs> and shut up, Buster, I've been with the shits. So there, that's my answer. I need him to have all of his fantastic Hall of Fame tweets tattooed at some place on his body. Uh, uh, Matt, have you, have you got anything? Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough one to follow. I... Uh... Uh, maybe I took this a bit too seriously. I'm not sure. Um, I, again, I'm going to uh, to Josh's joy. I'm going to keep banging on the uh, the Lakers drum because you know I have to I have to represent in in here. And uh, I would have. I'm I'm going to name the tattoo first. So an NBA championship with a stack of cash lining underneath it, like propping it up, and it's going to be on Carl Kuzma because he's proving the haters wrong. You know, he won a championship. He's now got a con. He's now got a big contract. He's now playing a huge role on on the team. You know, rebounding defensively, just pure effort. Uh, people slander this man. They say that he's absolutely terrible. 
Um, they say that he's worthy of barely even being on an NBA roster. There was even a, uh, uh, what was it, the um, where people were trying to stop him getting an NBA ring. Did, did you see that from from the playoff run last, yes. last season? Um, I think just the slander he gets is completely unjustified. And uh, he's it wouldn't surprise me if he's already got that tattoo to be honest with you but um but yeah i think uh something proving the haters wrong from from kyle kuzma would be a good one <laughs> yeah that's that's not bad uh mine i'm sticking with my mvp choice i'm taking nikola Jokic. and for anyone who remembers our pods and these ridiculous questions that we've had for months on end um we did one about which player most looked like um a i don't know you know like the pringles guy or whatever the whatever the, they're called the the, what are they called? Logo? The, yeah. mother, the mascot or something? Yeah, so like, the, you know, who looked like a Pringles guy and whatever. Um, <laughs> and we landed on Jokic as being like the Michelin man. And so I would get the horizontal lines tattoo just to build into that. Because when he's the MVP, <laughs> see, they're going to want to pay over the top for the dollars, like to, to, to have him representing them. And there you go. Like he could be, he could just look like a, a, a doughboy Michelin man thing. Um <laughs> Uh, moving on, talking on Dion Discord. So our Discord community again, go to discord.me slash double clutch. Um, we had some Anthem chat earlier in the week. Uh, are you, Matt, are you aware of the whole Anthem thing with Dallas last week? Last week? Yeah, it was last uh, week. Yeah, Monday. I briefly, briefly saw something. Yeah, so essentially Mark Cuban uh, has not been playing, or the Dallas Mavericks have not been playing the national anthem for the first 13 or so home games that Dallas had this season. No one clocked it until someone from the Athletic went, oh, that's a bit odd. And then within, you know, 12 hours, Cuban comes out and says, well, we're not playing it because we don't think it represents us. And then shortly afterwards, he's reprimanded in the league saying, no, we will be playing this going forwards. Um, It felt like as, uh, it felt like there was some progress being made and then just it was immediately shut down by the league. Um, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it because I don't see the value of it. But again, none of us are American here. So maybe that that's why we don't see the value of it. But it just seems to be a, a strange tradition to continue to uphold. Yeah, um, I can see why it happened this way. Obviously, like you said, it it took a while for people to even notice. I know that's what everyone's been saying. You know, we didn't even notice, so why continue? But um, I I think it's a case of, yeah, sure, I'm up for kind of the idea of progress as long as it's on our terms. I think that Silva reacted the way he did because it's not ideal for the uh, kind of a league-wide trend to be decided by one team. Uh, but the positive thing is that he said that he's at least open to having discussions about it in the long term Um, but like you said it's an easy thing for us to say from an English point of view but it seems like some kind of especially when you attend a game and the eagle comes across the screen in like 50 foot, you know, it feels a bit of like a insincere performative show of pageantry. Um, And whenever I attend a game, I just think it feels completely bizarre that they do it 82 nights a year. And I think it actually devalues the idea of standing for the national anthem on bigger occasions. That's a fair point. Um, Matt, are are you similar or have you got a different take on it? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure I have too much of an opinion on it, to be honest with you. Um, like you said, we're not American, but from the experience that I've had in America, I went to part of my uh, university education was out in in the States and I went over to to uh, St. John's in, in New York for a little mm-hmm. bit of time and uh, worked with the athletic department and, and, and things like that. And the, the experience I had there was that like, 
they are just i'm not sure what the right word is i, I would call it obsessive to be honest but um they, they just love playing the national anthem at any possible moment and they would play the national anthem before every single game and at times when i worked at the athletics department there was like football on basketball volleyball like just all of these different sports and sometimes back to back to back to back to back and they would play the national anthem before every single game and uh, and uh, it, it seems a bit overboard to me um but they seem to just accept it and it's just normal for them it's just a sense of normality so i think if they care that much about it i think i don't I don't have a problem with it but um i think it's just another thing in america that people are rubbing heads mm. against if it wasn't that it would probably be something else so yeah no i agree it's 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 interesting i don't i don't see why there needs to be so much angst around it you either want to do it or you don't and i don't see what the uproar should be if you don't want to do it um quickly because we're running out of time uh nba top shot are either of you aware of this new trend sweeping nba fans um at all because i've gone down a, a rabbit hole with it if I'm, <laughs> if I'm quite honest so uh for, for those who don't know basically it's like digital trading cards but linked to cryptocurrencies uh and a potential value and things like that so you basically buy your cards and then you can resell them and it's all online you don't have to you know you don't have to keep the card in good condition or whatever because it's just one thing um and it's it's they were having a drop tonight actually it was supposed to go on at eight and then it was pushed back to 8 30 and then to nine because of site issues so i missed my chance to get um in on the the what's this cool cats was the the packs that were dropping today they dropped forty five thousand of them and like i say it's absolutely exploding um there was a little bit of a chat in discord last week about it josh you you've mentioned a couple of things in slack as well since what's your sort of thoughts on this this crazy new trend well my first thought is that mike you sounded like a real cool cat then oh, um, well you know you I've, gone, I've gone from being a bit of a crypto skeptic to be honest to being very interested in recent months in these kind of weird kind of online micro investments i do think some of it seems extremely silly and doesn't it feels like there's I just don't understand the value yet, basically, of certain clips and why they are more valuable than others. But either way, um, without sounding like an old man yelling at a cloud, I think it's a bit mad, but I'm willing to look further into it and I probably will invest. However, I would say that today I saw that someone spent a grand on a Mason Plumley dunk recently, so flipping hell. So I, I bought my first three last night. Um, I didn't spend much. So basically what they are is you get the card is like a highlight from a particular player. So I bought uh, an OG Ananobi uh, dunk, um, Hamadou Diallo. I went I went deep for potential uh, future growth dunk. Uh, and who else did I pick? Oh, uh, Derek Jones Jr., amazing reverse alley-oop. Uh, so I, I purchased them. Now, they're, they're all common, cheap cards, I think. The Derek Jones Jr. cost me $6. The Hamadou Diallo was $10. And then I went slightly more for the OG Ananobi and went up to like $36, I think. But basically... Basically, how they were, each card has a mint, which is like a serial number, like, you know, one of X thousand. Uh, and the higher the mint is, the, the more value the card's perceived to have. Um, 
then there's things you need to look out for. Like, there are, like this, I'm not giving financial advice. Do what you want at your own risk. It's up to you. Uh, I just found it quite interesting and fun. Um, what the, the, the trick, I say the trick as if I know something here. One of the things to look out for is on the common cards, some of them have CC, which means that they can continue to expand the run. So they can continue, that card can be essentially recreated exponentially. So you're, you know, you're one of 15,000 becomes one of 40,000 eventually or something like that. It could do. So you look for limited edition ones where you know that that's as big as the, that the run's going to go. Uh, but there, there are lots of things out there. If you want to contact us, I can send you a link to a podcast, which will tell you way more, way more succinctly, way more intelligently uh, about how it all works. It is interesting. I'm really annoyed that they've had some kind of, they got slandered on Twitter early because their drop didn't work tonight. Uh, I stayed up till 12 for another drop last night. They don't drop things every day, but they did a random um, 5,000 uh, 5, card drop uh, last night. I was hoping to get a card pack tonight so we could open them live on the show. Had Kirk pull up something amazing for it and none of it worked uh, because because Top Shot didn't work. But uh, it's fun. It is actually fun. Um, mate of mine has already started flipping them as well. He's managed to go from, what did he start with? A Lonnie Walker that he bought for $20, uh, sold it for 45 bought a John Collins, sold that, and now he's on a, a decent-looking Yanis. Um, but anyway, let's move on. We've got some questions. We're already running over. Uh, we'll start with, because we might not get through them all, we'll start with the ones that are aimed at Matt. Um, so, Ginger Shack, with the current economic climate in sport, as someone who covers the G League, do you feel it will be grossly affected by potential financial constraints, culminating in players neglecting to sign there and heading to Asia and Europe? So, you mentioned, obviously, that there's a bit about how the finances all work on your uh, site, NBA Call-Up. So, um, what would you say on this? Uh, I think if a season is is running, and the NBA have confirmed that a season is running, uh, you don't join the G League for money. It's as simple as that. Uh, they don't get paid a lot. Um, the last record that came out, uh, they get paid about $30,000 for a five-month season. Uh, that's when it is a five-month season. Uh, so I don't know what they're getting in the bubble, probably considerably less, probably just their expenses getting paid for. Um, but on the other hand, the G League is the premier route to reach in the NBA. Um, when I've spoken to some G League players, coaches, front office staff, they see overseas whether it be asia whether it be europe whatever they kind of see it as being out of sight out of mind potentially so it's very easy to kind of get lost in them tens of thousands of players that are that are playing overseas when there are nba scouts in on site in the gd bubble right now um but, but we've seen it with, with the uncertainty. We didn't know there was going to be a gd bubble so players went elsewhere it i think to, to round it up, I think it depends what the motives of the player is. If they want financial incentive, they'd probably go overseas. If they're destined to follow that NBA dream, they would stay with the G League because it's the best place to get seen. Yeah, that, that's, that sums it up nicely. Um, one from Nick Whitfield. Uh, some real NBA contributors have spent time in the G League before making their mark in the NBA. Who, outside of the obvious Ignite future lottery picks, should we be looking at as current G League guys who, if they found the right situation, could really make a mark in the league? Um, I think early on, uh, the first player that comes to mind would probably be Trey Jones with the Spurs. Uh, he's absolutely tearing it apart um, in uh, in the first few games. Um I think he's probably up there with like the top three scorers, but he's showing a nice touch uh, from from assists. 
uh, he's rebounding the ball quite well for not a not a not a very big guard. Uh, so I think uh, it, as he goes to the NBA, I think he obviously wouldn't get them scoring looks, but I think there's the potential for him to expand his game and potentially be a contributor that way. Another one which I think people should keep a very close eye on who looks very impressive early on is uh, Paul Reed with the Blue Coats, who's on a two-way contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. I- I'm very confident he's going to be the latest player to come through for the Sixers, and I think he will. His game transitions very well over to the NBA. He's a he's a big... Um, they're both assignments from their parent teams. Um, I think if you're looking at top-end role players... Um, obviously there's a lot of players that we're kind of veering away from you averaging 30 points a night and you're getting called up now uh, because in the NBA they don't need 30 night, 30 point a night scorers anymore there's people that are getting paid hundreds of millions to do that um, so you're looking at your top end role players your likes of um, Jumario Jones Sir Dominic Point uh, maybe two names that people don't know about um, Jumario Jones is a six foot five wing that's averaging fourteen rebounds per game. Uh, Dominic Point to a six foot six wing that's averaging three point three blocks per game. Um, it, it's incredible. Uh, I think Kenyon Martin Jr., a name that people mm-hmm. might 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 know, he's a beast on the defensive end for the for the Vipers. Um, again, that can transition over to the NBA. You need a defensive presence bring him in and he can do a job. Uh, hence why Alice Caruso is doing so well on, on the Lakers right now. So yeah, they're kind of like a few names. You can kind of go on and on and on, to be honest with you. I think some other names just to throw them out there, if people want to do their own research, BJ Johnson for the Long Island Nets, uh, Jalen Adams, Josh Gray, uh, Donta Hall with Ignite, uh, Freddie Gillespie as well. Check him out. Memphis Hustle, a rookie four year big coming out of Baylor. He does look a talent. So, um, yeah, rewind back, check them names out, look at the highlights, uh, you'll see yourself. So just just uh, to clear some of it, is um, Trey Jones, I believe, is Tyus Jones's brother, isn't he? Just Yeah, he's just come yeah. out of Duke after two years, I believe it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think he had much of a place with San Antonio, so they've uh, sent him down for development purposes, but you'll see him back with San Antonio very soon. Excellent. Awesome. Um, okay, so we'll go through a couple more questions. And in fact, one of them I'm going to double up on because they're quite similar, weirdly. Uh, so Hooping and Luton, shout out earlier. Um, and also, uh, it's today marks the first anniversary of Hooping and Luton launching. Uh, head over there. There's a 20% off on all their jerseys at the minute. There you go. There's a free plug for you. But he, he sent me a cup previously, so I feel like I have to. Um, it's so, his birthday today, isn't it? Is it actually his birthday? Is the site's birthday? It's his site's birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, happy birthday to the site. Yeah, yeah. But not you, Elliot. Not a happy birthday to you. Just just the site. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so he asked this question a couple of weeks ago, and because I'm stupid, we didn't get to it. Um, and then it turned out that he's not seen Back to the Future. So there's a second follow-up question, which I think will link them together, that came from Rich Barrett. So... Elliot's question is, based on Desert Island Discs, your strength... He's showing his age there. Um... People in the chat will not know what that is. Um, you're stranded on an island, but you've been provided with a TV and DVD player, also showing his age. Uh, you get to bring any three full-length games from all time. Which games are you choosing? Now, link to that. So you've got your three games, and you might pick something different. But from Rich Barrett, if you owned a DeLorean but only have enough plutonium for one return trip, which NBA game would you travel back in time to watch live? Matt, that's a lot of question. Um so basically, I want to know your three games you'd take to Desert Island. And I'm going to assume that one of those games is the one you'd cut fly back to. But if it's not, that's fine. So what are your games? 
that's quite easy for me. I think game seven of the 2000 conference finals, uh, Lakers-Portland, that fourth quarter comeback, um, I think <laughs> just leave the arena and just walk in on that final quarter. Um, I think that's a, that, that's a must for me. Um, I haven't got three, but I've got, a, I think, game seven of the Cavs-Warriors. Last few minutes were unreal back and forth. Um, you might have to come back to me for a third one because I misunderstood the question. <laughs> That's all right. You don't need to have three. Um, would, would, was I assume the Lakers one is the one you would fly back to if you could just just at least for the last quarter as well. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. obviously a third would be Kobe's last game. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh, who, which three have you got? Uh, well, you know, hugely unbiased warning, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, I'd, just for the sake of adrenaline and how exciting the game itself was, I'm going for Game 6 of the 2009 Celtics and Bulls series where the Bulls beat the Celtics to force a Game 7, but it went to triple overtime. It was an absolute shootout between Ray Allen and Ben Gordon uh, for the whole game. And there was that incredible Joakim Noah coast-to-coast dunk uh, where Pierce fouled out the game and then there were just like 20 different clutch shots to take it to the next it was an incredible game Uh, and then I'd watch probably the game six blowout of the 2008 NBA championships against the Los Angeles Lakers just to to watch those glorious celebrations again apologies Matt and finally I'd probably go for the Spurs Warriors in the Western semis of 2013 because it really felt like that was a turning point for the Warriors it was the start of the era it was the kind of catalyst game um, because they played unbelievably well Draymond's still coming off the bench actually but the Splash Brothers were unbelievable and I used to love watching that era of San Antonio play so I'm going to go Spurs beating the Warriors in the uh, Western semis of 2013 in a double overtime game um, and then but actually to answer the Back to the future question, I go back to um, Isaiah Thomas, 2017 against the Raptors uh, because I was there, so I'd actually like to be there. It was, okay. He dropped 52 points on them. It was insane. Okay, so the, the, okay. So the three I've got, uh, the first one's obvious for me, Game 6, Utah, 98, Jordan's last shot. Before he came back again, obviously, but we don't talk about that. Uh, then it's Game Seven, Oakland, twenty sixteen, and then I couldn't decide on my third one. I'd either want the two thousand and one or the two thousand and three All Star Game. I think I'd go two thousand and one. I'm pretty sure that's where they had that funky low camera. It's where Jason Kidd accidentally hits a half court shot, um, and I'm pretty sure that's the T Mac. He lobs it to himself off the backboard as well, and it was just one of the most just amazing games I stayed up to watch for as a uh, youth. Uh, <laughs> Um, if I had a DeLorean, I'd probably go to Jordan's final shot. But if it was something, I'd get, if it was a game I had to go to, it'd be Kobe's 41 in Portland on January the 15th, 2006. Um, so yeah. Okay. Uh, and then another question, we'll go with this final question, then we're done. Um, well, apart from games of the week, but we don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> from Rich Barrett with all the hype that surrounded Zion Williamson entering the league last year is it fair to say that the excitement has, has now mellowed somewhat and if you agree why do you think that is uh, Josh 
Well, I think he's a victim of ridiculous expectations, like many have been. You know, um, uh, people calling certain players a disappointment because they wanted them to be the next LeBron James. Well, guess what? Nobody is the next LeBron James, certainly for a while, because there's basically never been anybody more complete than him. Uh, so I think that the excitement has mellowed, but, but that's because of how ridiculously high the bar was set in the first place. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, if Zion can be this generation's Charles Barkley, then that's a monumental achievement, um, and we should all be very happy with him not being the LeBron James. That's, that's a fair, fair point, point Matt. Matt. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I think that... Um... We get shiny new rookies every season, so I think it's uh, it's more attention being diverted elsewhere than specifically choosing to divert the attention away from from him, which I think sometimes can be a good thing. Um, I think that yeah, I, I fully agree with Josh there. The expectation of these players, especially when they're rookies in the league, is sky high, and they all develop at different rates. You know what I mean? So you see some players kind of come out a couple of seasons in straight away, or you see some take three or four seasons. So yeah, I think it's just more like the NBA is a conveyor belt, isn't it? And it's very easy for just new players to come around, and you kind of forget about the players of yesterday, even though it was just a year ago or less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think all of that is is accurate. Um, I think as well, I, th- I think we cannot underestimate the impact of playing in New Orleans, even though they've got more national games now. The amount of, um, air quotes, casuals, um, I know that some people on the Twitch can see me do that, but I had to say air quotes for those listening in an audio-only format. I'm not just that weird. Um, maybe I am. Um, but... We saw, you know, Anthony Davis, as soon as he went to the Lakers, everyone was like, whoa, this guy's really good. And it's like, hold on a sec, he's been really good already for however many years he was with the Pelicans. Uh, what did he come in in, 2012? Um, and so I think there's a, an element of that. And I also think he was supposed to be so good by so much. He obviously missed with injuries, only played 49 games to date now. But people didn't expect someone like Jar to be as close in skill set to him. And I think that kind of taken some of the shine. Like John Morant now is, is a darling of the league. I think that that, that has played a, a, a pretty pretty big role in, in that, you know, the whole Zion thing being not quite as shiny. I mean, if you look at stats, he's still phenomenal on the offensive end, finishing like 60% from within two feet. I think some ridiculous stat as well, where he was the first person since Wilt to be doing some kind of ridiculous scoring thing I can't remember what it was because it's a New Orleans based stat and I don't recall that sort of thing um, uh, cool anyone any more Zion comments from anyone just stay away from the gumbo and, we, and we'll be good yeah stay healthy that's what we need um, final bit is games of the week uh, Matt do you have a game of the week you think people should watch and it can be a G League if you want. Yeah, I was going to do that. I was going to flip it over to, to the G League. And um, I think it's a nice, easy one uh, for everyone. It's really accessible. People don't have to worry about that. Uh, next Sunday on the 21st of February, it's live on G League G League's Twitch account. So it's actually free to watch. You don't need to mess about with broadcasting or anything like that. Uh, the Vipers, uh, the affiliate team of the Houston Rockets, are going to be playing the OKC Blue, the affiliate team of the Thunder. Uh, you've got one of the best offensive teams in the league there uh, facing up against one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, it's going to be a very intriguing matchup. Uh, if you kind of want a little bit more of an incentive to check that out, uh, Kevin Potter Jr. is on the Vipers roster. 
Uh, he's absolutely lighting up the bubble at the moment. I think after his, he scored 32 points tonight. He's actually leading the bubble in scoring. Uh, so just to see him light it up again, most likely for free, um, I would check that out. And it is a 4.30 p.m. tip-off for you guys in the UK as well. 5.30 for me in mainland Europe. So perfect timing. Why not? Yeah, that's that's a great tip time. Um, Josh, who have you got? Yeah, so I'm going to the top of the NBA uh, with the easier answer, and that's uh, the Utah Jazz and the Sixers. The top of both conferences, a lot to prove. Going to be exciting. And that's tonight, yeah? That's tonight, sorry, yeah. Yep. Did you, so oh, if you're you wanted all to of this... the details, did you? Well, yeah, if people are listening back to us now, they might go looking for a game they can't watch. Right, okay. Um, well, I thought I'd drip feed on demand. the information slowly. But. <laughs> uh, I've gone for Brooklyn versus Phoenix, which is Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, 3 a.m. Uh, so thank you to everyone for dropping in tonight. Uh, thank you to all the follows. We had JD Cr- Crossover, John Loves Twitch, and Gamer102.com. Gamer102.com uh, subscription from Big Hazard. Thank you for that. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free if you have Amazon Prime. Uh, just yeah, Kirk, speak to Kirk, he'll tell you how to do it. Um, make sure you're following us at Double Clutch UK, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we are, of course, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Double Clutch. You can find us on the web, doubleclutch.uk. Basically, we're everywhere. Um, Matt. Thanks very much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, It's been great. It's been enjoyable. Uh, you can find me on Twitter over at uh, Matt Evans CU. I think my name is just up here somewhere. Uh, it's just, Matt, that's my Twitter handle. Um, NBA call-ups for everything related to the website, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, any, if anyone's got any GD questions, I get them uh, quite often throughout the week. Drop me a DM, send me a tweet. I'll do my best to answer it. Even if I don't know the answer right there, I'll do a little bit of research for you. So um, I do like to help out with uh, anyone that wants to increase their G League knowledge. So I'm an open book. Awesome. I'm sure we'll get you on when we get closer to the G League finals. Uh, if that's cool with you, I haven't asked. I've just put you on the spot straight away. So you kind of have to say yes. <laughs> um, thank you to everyone for tuning in. We will see you again next week. Murphy lost a part of me. It's been so hard to believe. Come back, baby, please. <laughs>